Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SES Nation, and welcome to a Friday edition of Surviving the Survivor. Typically, it is great, Scott. It is your true crime fill, but today it is get double the fill of your true crime here. We've got uh, Phil Waters, F-I-L, and Phil Ramos, P-H-I-L. I'm going to introduce them in just one moment, but uh, we're going to focus a large portion of this show on Rachel Morin, and I let her family know, and I've been in touch with them. Six months it's been since she was murdered in a very vicious and vile way by an unknown assailant on a nature trail in Maryland called the Mon Pot Trail. Well, authorities just this week, after all that time, have finally released a sketch of the suspect. As you'll remember, there's some video of him, just a side angle. Uh, and this is all in an effort to breathe new life into the un unsolved crime. And uh, the mother of five, she was a mom of five, uh, she left her a run on that Mon Pa Heritage Trail uh, last August. It's hard to believe uh, that all that time has passed already. She never came back home. Who better to ask about this? Um, I don't want to date these guys, but together, I think they have 175 years of uh, homicide experience uh, between them. So it is quite impressive. Literally two of the best homicide detectives in all the land. First off, the man who's always here, America's most respected detective, Phil Waters, spent decades in law enforcement, becoming an expert at obtaining criminal confessions, something like a 95 or 93 percent confession rate spent 23 years working as a homicide detective in the Houston PD. He also spent time doing undercover narcotics, just like Phil Ramos. Look at that. And uh, Phil investigated more than 400 homicide cases. He is also a Marine, and he's the owner of Kindred Spirits Investigations, and he starred in the show The Interrogator, which he wished was called The Interviewer, because he likes that word better. Um Phil Ramos, super cool dude is all I can say. He is a retired senior homicide detective with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. 35 years of service, the last 15 were in homicide. Uh, his assignments included 12 years undercover, uh, an undercover detective in narcotics and organized crimes. Uh, he told me a story on surviving my biggest case about carrying a million bucks through which casino was that again? It was the MGM, I think. No, it was the Dunes at the time. Oh, the Dunes. A million dollars in cash to yeah. try to bust up a cartel. Uh, he's done it all. Three-time officer of the year award. He's a native Las Vegan. He spent years trying to infiltrate the Cuban mob. And what? look at this. Phil Waters is obsessed with Ferraris. He now owns two. Phil Ramos, obsessed with Harleys. Do you drive a Harley, Phil Waters? Uh, I used to. I uh, I rode Harleys for probably 20-something years, and then in 2006, I got off of Harleys and got on Victories, and so I've been riding Victories since then, and of course, Polaris zeroed out Victories for Indian, so they're now, uh, they're now building Indians and discontinued the Victories, which made a lot of us very unhappy, but yeah, I've been riding for probably... Uh, 50 plus years now. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've ridden a bicycle. I'm clearly not man enough to be a uh, homicide detective. I, I don't take enough <laughs> risk. I don't drive Ferraris. I don't drive. Phil Ramos, when was the last time you were on a Harley? How often do you get on that out in the desert? Two days ago. Two days ago. Actually, 
<laughs> and do you wear the whole leather? You wear the whole leather getup? Uh, just sometimes a vest, but definitely long pants and boots. No shorts and, and uh, slip-ons, man. I see these guys driving around with their shorts and slip-ons, and I just shake my head and going, "Oh God!" Is there a is there a there's no helmet law in Florida? Do you need, is there a helmet law in uh, Nevada? Do you have to wear a helmet? Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, good. Do. Well, that's good. In Florida, uh, you don't you don't um really. They still got a helmet law in Nevada, really? Yeah. Wow, man. For as long as I can remember, we got rid of Texas. Yeah quite a few years ago but uh, Phil, do you wear a helmet phil a uh, waters i do i do wear a helmet uh yes if not i was gonna have my mother yell at you um <laughs> in my next lifetime i would love to be a homicide detective but it's gonna have to wait um oh my phil it's phil i met him at crime crime con and it was magical from oh, jenny price by the way we still have um thank you phil, phil waters giveaways and Phil Ramos, you should really come to CrimeCon. I should pitch you. If you're interested, it's in Nashville this year at the end of May. And um, yeah. it'd be awesome. Yeah. So the man who can actually help you is Phil Waters. He's uh, got the inside track on uh, CrimeCon. But we'll talk off, uh, off camera about that. Um, so Phil Waters, this is interesting. You know, we've covered this Rachel Moore case. I've become very close with the family. Matt McMahon, um, the father of uh, Rachel's oldest child, knows we are doing this show. And we did a show not long ago where Tim Papa of the FBI, and shout out, by the way, to Tim Papa, Doug McGregor, and our own Scott Duffy. They've been uh, helping the family uh, just out of their own goodwill because uh, they're great guys. And um uh, Tim Papa made a video of, um, I think Faye is her name, if I am getting that correct, the daughter of Rachel Moore, and it was very touching. Uh, we talked to Phil about Phil Waters about that. But here are the sketches of this uh, alleged murderer. Um, and we have some video, the COE is still loading everything in, but Phil Waters this murder happened in August, uh, the 5th of August. She went missing. I think the 6th, she was found dead. Why take till February 16th to put these two sketches out? What is the process behind that? Why the length of time? I don't know the answer to that specific to this case. Uh, I can only imagine that there's... Uh, something going on there behind the scenes, obviously that, that now all of a sudden these sketches come out and this is the, you know, the, the case, you know, DNA linked to, to some guy, uh, sexually assaulting, a uh, a woman in uh, California. And so I'm a, I'm as curious about this as anybody, uh, about this release of these sketches. And it's, when the discovery was made in California about this DNA being linked and then it just kind of went away. So I, I just, I'm curious about a lot of things regarding this particular investigation, just because of some of the things that we haven't, haven't been told. I know there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but um, yeah, it's just a, uh, to me, it's just kind of an oddity that we waited this long to get a, to get a sketch out i would think that'd been something that would have been done on the front end of this thing rather than on the this much time have having passed 
Yeah. Uh, by the way, Corinna, who I think comes to us from Austria, I'm not pulling her comment up because I want to keep this up for a minute. She wants to know what FIL Phil Waters has done with Scott Duffy. Um, I don't think Phil did anything sinister, but Scott Duffy has uh, some sort of um, law enforcement training today. That was two hours away. He'll be back yeah. uh, next week. But what um, a treat to have Phil Ramos filling in. And I'd love to get Phil back anytime we have a story of an investigative nature. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to give you some uh, BTS behind the scenes. I wasn't planning to share this, but I'm going to. Uh, I have this comment up here. Anyone with information related to the Rachel Moore murder case is urged to con contact the Harford County Sheriff's Office at this number, 410-836-7788, or via email at rmtip.org. And, excuse me, <clears throat> a lot of times we see these tip numbers and it's just like in one ear out the other, but I've said it a million times and I will say it again right now, best guess, better community. Lo and behold, I got an email fill and fill yesterday from an STS nation viewer. Who's going to remain unnamed. This person somehow got a hold of some information out of LA fill and fill. And she was able to go through some social media and she sent me a photo of a young man who is somehow connected to the L.A. home. And the photo she sent me was jaw droppingly similar to these sketches, like unbelievably similar. And I can send you the photo after the show. What did I do? I panicked and I immediately texted Scott Duffy. And I said, Scott Duffy, what do I, first of all, Scott Duffy, take a look at these. And he did. And Scott Duffy says, oh my God, this really, first Scott Duffy says, I'm horrible with, with IDs, is how he prefaced it. But he said, um, by the way, uh, Rachel says, I thought Scott stole Phil's Ferrari and drove into the sunset. That is possible. Uh, so back to the serious story here. I, I reached out immediately to Scott Duffy and I sent him the photo. And Scott Duffy texted me back immediately and said, wow, there is a really, really, really eerily similar resemblance. And I said, I emailed back the person and they hadn't contacted anyone. So I asked Scott Duffy, what do I do? And he said, send it to the tip line. That's why I just had that tip line. So I saved it. Uh, look at the COE telling me to be careful. I am saved. I sent it to the Harford County Sheriff's email yesterday uh, with the photo attached. Now, is that the person? More than likely not. But uh, is it a eerily similar in resemblance to the sketch? Yes, it is. Uh, Phil Ramos, should I have listened to Scott and sent that photo in for them to take a look at Phil Ramos? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As long as you're not pointing any direct fingers at anybody, yeah, that, that's a, that was a great idea to do. And you know, and as I'm looking at this picture, and and I was remembering <clears throat> when we covered this uh, not too long ago, you know, the sad thing about it is this is on its way to being a cold case, but with the full genetic profile that they have from L.A., and I'm wondering about the hat, because the, the image without the hat looks to be a forensic genealogy facial reconstruction that they would have gotten from the DNA profile. Um, usually when you have a sketch like this, you'll see a mark or a number or something like that in one of the corners of who the forensic artist 
is, but I've seen images like this come from a full DNA profile. If they have a good DNA profile, which I'm sure they do, it's good enough to be in CODIS. So um, that may be what this is. However, the thing that doesn't fit with that theory is a red hat. So I'm wondering about where the red hat came in. Could that have been from the California case? Because as far as I know, we don't, in the video that we saw uh, during the murder, he didn't have a hat on, if I remember correctly. So, um, Correct. Phil, Phil, do me a favor, Ramos. Uh, explain this a little more because someone was asking about that. So just for people who don't know uh, this case, uh, she was, again, murdered on, found murdered August 6th, disappeared August 5th. And um, they connected through DNA to a, a sexual assault of a minor in Los Angeles. In other words, they ran DNA from a sexual assault in L.A. and it, it matched to the DNA of this case. But there was no identification. They only had the DNA. So Phil Ramos, um, if this is a sketch derived from DNA. Could, I, I know you probably can't get into like the minutia, but how do they, how do they get the sketch from that DNA? How's that done? Generally speaking. Well, that's the magic that those scientists work. You know, I, I tried to get into the details with one, but they used all these big seven and eight letter words. And I said, okay, I'll just go find the killers. <laughs> you, you guys keep it to yourself. Yeah. By and the way, Phil have, Ramos Astro, who's knowledgeable says he left the red hat in California. So I guess it was left behind, but go ahead, Phil. Okay, all right, that's good. Um, well, that explains that, so it still could be. Um, if you have a full DNA profile, I mean, as much of a profile as you can get, you know, DNA has gotten so advanced that they can crunch those numbers and the uh, the links, and, and they'll come up with an image that tells you, based on the DNA profile, the genetic profile, what this person looks like and it's not um it's not a maybe it's this dna profile the person who owns this dna profile looks like this period there's no no two ways around it um so if that's what happened then that's a big step for them mm. the only problem is um we still don't know who this guy is yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. Uh, Annie K has always got good questions. If this sketches out, what is a connection? Uh, this I a witness or a secondhand connection. This is supposed to be the perpetrator, uh, as far as I know. Uh, Nancy Grace interviewed. Thank you for this super chat uh, from Tara. Nancy Grace interviewed the sketch artist this week. Check it out. Red Hat was left at the crime scene. Uh, very interesting. And I know the CEOE is going to load up that video. Um. Phil Waters, what, when you look at these sketches, Phil Waters, what do you see as a seasoned homicide uh, detective? Well, I tell you what, some of these uh, sketches, uh, sketch art. We we had a sketch artist, Lois Gibson at uh, HPD, who was phenomenal. Uh, she's got a catalog of sketches that she's done over the twenty five plus years she was at HPD. Um, She's done sketches for me. Uh, when I see these sketches, it's it's they're really amazing. Now, this one, uh, as I understand it, this this sketch was derived not only from witnesses, but they also used the video that was captured at the scene in uh, in California. So this is kind of a the artist is taken, and these these artists are amazing. Um, 
I've, I've watched Lois work and she, she sits with the subject involved and draws out of them the description that she puts on the canvas. It's, it's kind of an amazing process. So this one looks like it was not only witnesses, but it was this, this video that was captured at the scene in California that brings about this particular, um, these sketches. So, uh, and yeah, the hat was, was recovered at the scene in California. So you've got, um, when they finally get, finally get this guy in custody, it's going to be pretty striking that the sketches are going to resemble this person, uh, very, very closely. So, uh, mm. Yeah, I'm always impressed with the sketches on these things. Yeah. By the way, there's always a back and forth about this. Mercy saying it's not a sexual assault. Um, if if this is official out of L.A., someone let me know. But I keep hearing back and forth that it was, that it wasn't, that it was, that it wasn't. Of it a doesn't minor. Really make, does it does it, it really make any difference? I mean, I you know. I mean, in terms of what you guys do, 100% not. I guess for the victim, ultimately, it would be a horrific thing. Um, look at this. Well, and I don't know where they're getting that information. I mean, you know, and really, whatever happened there, it's brought about the evidence that's in, that's related to Rachel's case. So uh, that stuff in California is that's kind of a distraction, I think, to the whole overall what we're talking about here. So mm. it really. Phil Ramos, uh, misbelieving, I like the name, traveling from L.A. to Bel Air, Maryland is super random. I know the area fairly well. He must know someone in or near Bel Air. Uh, as a homicide detective, when you get this case, if you're in, let's say, in Maryland, are you thinking to yourself, why is this guy here? He was in L.A. What's he doing here? And what do you try to do with that information? By the way, I love having these guys on because this is literally an unsolved case. And you've got two of the best investigative minds in the world thinking it through live on the podcast. If anyone is snoozing or falling asleep during this, check your pulse. Something's not right. Go ahead, Phil Ramos. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's a number of possibilities why he would be from the East Coast and, and back to the West Coast and and something like that. What um, I would imagine is when they were canvassing the neighborhood in L.A. where the L.A. crime occurred, uh, they may have gotten some information about having him having been seen somewhere at a convenience store or gas station or something like that. But uh, the fact that he is bi-coastal tells you something about him. So obviously he, he can travel with, uh, from one end of the country to the other. So then you start thinking, so who has the ability to do that and commit violent crimes on each end? And the first thing you think of is a truck driver because they go everywhere. But mm. that's that's absolutely not to say that he is a truck driver. But what you're looking at is someone who has that capability of traveling uh, you know, across the country. And, and there's a number of professions that uh, enable that kind of activity. So uh, <clears throat> it just manages... It just deepens the mystery. Uh, curious, Charlie, uh, was not a sexual assault as per the sheriff in L.A. and their podcast. Uh, it, it was, was just a, it was a, it was a to clarify it. It was a home invasion. And this guy assaulted the family that was inside the house. OK, so, so there's there is the clarification. We can, we can clear that up right now. I'm about to work uh, Phil Waters up. Uh, Phil Ramos, uh, Phil has an expression, don't get your panties in a wad. I'm about to get Phil Waters' panties in a wad. So, Phil, 
Um, I have actually not had time to listen to this for full disclosure, but people are talking about it. Uh, this sheriff who has been eerily quiet, his name um, is Jeff Gaylor out of Harford County. Um, suddenly he has a podcast like yours truly, and it's called Into the Sheriff's Spotlight. And he talked about this case. Uh, before we talk about what he talked about, what do you have to what what are your thoughts about a sheriff hosting a podcast about an active case? Uh, I have a feeling you're gonna have uh, some thoughts on this. Well, you know, I would imagine <laughs> I mean, the, the sheriff, the sheriffs are elected officials. Uh, there's no telling what kind of heat he's faded uh, in this particular investigation. He may be, uh, you know, this is an election year. He may be running for office. Uh, he may be in that cycle of, of uh, where he's running again. And so he gets the podcast up and running so that he gets his name out there and he talks in a positive way about what they're doing there in, in Hartford and, and uh you know, trying to present his department and himself in the best light, given it's an election year. So that would appear to me to be the motivation. I don't know. This is just pure speculation on my part. And then the other side of that is, is that after, after months and getting these sketches out, then he's trying to, now he's putting this investigation back up on the skyline and for everybody to see and to try to generate some leads. So, I mean, there may be a, a noble effort behind this podcast thing and coupled it with the, uh, with what he needs to accomplish uh, politically. So, and, and again, I'm just speculating. I don't know the man. I've never even seen the man's face, uh, but I've worked for sheriffs and I know uh, the politics of working for a sheriff's department. Uh, Phil Waters, I don't want to uh, even imply it has anything to do with you but i had to take a photo of the screen uh because our chat just hit 666 while you were talking so uh, and i will put that out on instagram uh you know that's not a very good number this is gary bricado world famous dr gary bricado and by the way uh matt mcmahon i got to go back to that comment above gary bricado who studies killers and serial killers actually the evidence is against her being stalked. And we're going to get into that in a minute because that's what the sheriff is saying. She was, there goes the bozo horn. Uh, she was simply the person who came into the ambush. He set up for uh, a woman or a woman. Um, so that's Gary Bricado's take because we're going to get into this. The sheriff believes that she was possibly stalked. Uh, I just want to go back up here for a minute. Here we go. Uh, Matt McMahon is in the chat. A special hello to him. He is the father of Rachel's oldest child. I Forgive me, Matt, but I, I'm 99% sure her name is Faye. Uh, he writes, thank you, Joel, the entire STS team, today's guests, and everyone watching. I'm so grateful for the attention you have brought and continue to bring to the case. STS, best show in all of true crime. Thank you so much. Um, we, we have to continue to support Matt and Nate and Shannon Morin and, and the mother, Patty Morin, who's having a really hard time. Phil Ramos, speaking about that, uh, before we get into more details, they're going to catch this guy. Is this guy on borrowed time right now? Man, my gut tells me yes, but you just never know. You know, there, there's going to be, you know, like we often speak about a certain amount of holdback in both investigations. 
that they cannot release and they won't release because it's critical to the case and you don't want to jeopardize the integrity of the case. Um, I, I, I really hope they do before too much longer because the longer the case goes, the you know, the more difficult your, your case becomes unless you get uh, some really good physical evidence, really good eyewitness testimony, some something to really solidify the case and bring it from the status that it is now to we're ready for court and someone's in jail. Um, man, that's such, such a wide river to cross. Uh, mm. I, I really hope they do. We have so many digital tools available to us now. Um, and uh, my fingers are crossed and God bless his family for the for the tragedy that they're having to suffer through. Yeah. Uh, Nadia uh, informing me 666 means, by the way, we always have some fun on Fridays despite the heaviest subject matter. 666 means change is coming in numerology, not the devil. How interesting change is coming. Maybe we're going to get an arrest soon. Uh, podcast sought in studio. And we're going to get to that. Um, Phil Waters, what about this comment? And I promise we're going to get to some of the details of this podcast and some of the latest information. Uh, Grunge Truck, he's probably going to try something again. Phil Waters, with your experience, a guy like this that committed a heinous murder. Um, do you, number one, do you think he's done something prior to this? Uh, and will he do something in the future if he's not caught? Oh, I think so. I, I think that's a, uh, I think that's a pretty accurate statement. I mean, we don't know that the, uh, you know, Rachel's case was the first one, and we don't know if the uh, one in California was the last one. So, um, the, what's difficult about this situation with this guy, as uh, Phil's already mentioned, whether he might be a truck driver, he's so transient. That's the big issue here. And uh, if you remember several years ago, uh, we had the railway killer, uh, Angel Resendez, who has been rehabilitated at this point. But um, mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, he was jumping on trains, riding all over the country, committing murders everywhere in several yeah. different states. And on top of everything else, he was illegal and, and he was bouncing back and forth from Mexico and so forth <laughs> and so on. So there was no. Uh, you know, and if this guy is illegal, then uh, there may be no documentation about this guy except for these what we see on the video and the fact that he has his DNA has been taken off of a crime scene somewhere because uh, he's yet unidentified. And so uh, that's the big issue here. I, I don't think there's any question. He's um, out committing crimes, uh, even as we speak. If he's, and of course, if he's still alive. So yeah. that that's the other issue here. Well, here someone is saying maybe he could be in jail right now for a lesser crime and no DNA take. And uh, Phil Ramos, is that possible? That's possible, man. Uh, you know, it, each jurisdiction has their own protocols. Um, here, you have to be in jail for a felony before your DNA is taken. Not everybody that goes into the Clark County Detention Center has their DNA taken. Um some agencies, it, it's got to be a violent felony. Some agencies, uh, unless it's a capital murder, but you know, it, it all it, it's hard to say. Um, it, it's a very distinct possibility he could be in jail for a lesser crime and no DNA taken. And if he's he was in jail for a lesser crime, 
you know, with, with the soft on crime stance that uh, a lot of politicians have today, he's probably back out on the streets if he was in for a lesser crime. So it's, um, that is a distinct possibility and it would depend on the, the uh, protocols of the facility that he was at, whether his DNA was taken. If his DNA is taken and entered into CODIS, bam, that's, that, that's going to be huge. And then you start, then <laughs> the real police work starts, man. That, everybody on both jurisdictions is going to be on the phone all day long and setting up interviews. Wow. Uh, well, let's hope they catch him for sure. Uh, Phil, just back to what we were talking about, Waters. Um, I, I know you don't keep actual stats on this, but of all the people that, of all the murderers that you have um, interviewed, what percentage of them had never committed a crime prior to the murder that you were interviewing them about? Have, in other words, have almost all of them committed crimes prior to it? I would say the larger percentage. I mean, if you have the the random domestic violence type thing or um, a uh, kind of an instantaneous occurrence that that person's never been involved in a crime before i mean i've talked to i've talked to some good people that did a bad thing uh, and then i've talked to some evil people that did a horrible thing so um i'd say percentage wise most of the most of the clients that i had were were prior offenders in some way. Uh, Phil Ramos, this is the kind of thing that you have to think about uh, from Tim Murray. Great questions. Could this guy be an airline employee? That's number one. What do you think? I mean, is that a, it's a possibility, right? Sure, he, he could be. But here's the thing about airline employees. If you are on a flight crew, your DNA is on file. Mm. For that very reason, if a, if a plane goes down, you need your DNA to... Uh, verify that you were part of that ugly mess if you're a flight crew not if you're a ground crew oh that's interesting i didn't know that and then uh this is for phil if he was military would oh. his fingerprints uh of dna be on file and if so would they have already checked in other words if this guy is let's say a marine like you phil waters would they have his dna somewhere on record well i there was no DNA taken when I was in the when I was in the Marines. yeah, but that was eighteen ninety four, Phil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was I was there when at Tun Tavern in seventeen seventy five when they established the Marine Corps. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, all these possibilities. I mean, anything is possible. But I, I would doubt this person served in the military. Now, I, I mean, it's certainly possible, but. Uh, uh, I, I think that would be way down on the scale, the airline thing. I think that would be, it's certainly possible, but I mean, you know, you've got this, these sketches out, you've got the video that was out. This was really high profile at the time when it occurred. I would think that if somebody worked with someone that looked similar to this guy, they might've said something, but then you never know, you know, there may be uh, once this, gets fleshed out and we find out who this guy is and what his history is uh it's all uh it's a kind of a mystery with with very few clues phil waters um i know i know your personality type and you're uh an alpha male who likes to win um if this was you and you're six months into this investigation are you 
kind of going crazy at this point? What are you, what's your approach six months into an investigation? Are you staying level headed? Are you like, where the hell is this guy? I want to get my hands on him. What's, what's your, what's your mindset? I've had cases like this that went on for months and you go back and at least what I did uh, and my partner, we, we would go back and we would review everything we had, uh, crime scene photos, the reports, the supplements that were entered by other, other detectives or other patrol officers. And I had, I had a case uh, where a uh, individual went in and, and uh, stomped a woman to death uh, in her kitchen and left. Well, we didn't make the scene, but we ended up doing the follow-up on it. And we kind of hit a wall. And this thing went on for months. We had the guy, we, in fact, we had the guy on videotape in the neighborhood, walking through the neighborhood. We knew what the guy looked like and so on and so on. So, um, but my partner at the time, we went back through, uh, he went back through the crime scene photos and he was looking at some of her clothing. He sexually assaulted her and her clothing was laying in the, in the floor. And she had on a pair of pink colored shorts, culottes. So there was a very, very small drop of blood on that culotte. So on the shorts. So we uh, got focused on that, sent it to the lab, had that tested, and came back uh, with a profile. Prior to that, we went back through a review uh, of the supplements and found that there was a vehicle with a flat tire that had been parked around the corner up the block from the house where this occurred. And one of the detectives just made a note of it and had it towed as a traffic hazard. It's like two lines in a supplement. We run that and we come back you know, comes back to a registered owner. We contact that registered owner and find out long story short, that it was her daughter's boyfriend who had driven the car that night. He turns out when we go in and interview her, that he came home that night with his, the cuffs of his jeans were soaked in blood and his tennis shoes were soaked in blood. He stomped this woman so hard that he left the imprint of the tennis shoe on her scalp. So, um, but just that, that's those two lines in that report about that car is what set us off. And then when we got the DNA back, it matched. And he turned out to be a, a Texas syndicate gang member, uh, who had been in, uh, who was a convict had been in, in prison. So, um, Little details like that, uh, you go back, and I'm sure I would I would think these detectives are doing this very thing. They're going back through everything they have, everything they've accumulated. They may even be going back through the tips that they've that they've gone through, and revisit these things because you never know what you may have missed the first time. I mean, nobody's nobody's perfect in these things, and sometimes you do miss some things. Uh, yeah. so I would imagine that's what they're doing. That's what I would be doing. I would be going through the evidence again, the photos again, statements again. Now we've got the sketch. I mean, you, you just, you keep going 
it's kind of like Groundhog Day, you know. Yeah. You just keep going through it and through going through it and hope you find something different. And that's why they say the devil, in this case, this guy is in the details. Uh, Simply Lord, you guys know if Barbara Ray Venter is working on the DNA ancestry. She's been a guest on the show multiple times. She's the godmother of investigative genetic genealogy. I do believe that they are using uh, investigative genetic genealogy, and it might be partly uh, how this sketch came about. I'm not 100% sure, but Phil Ramos. So this is interesting. We hadn't really heard from the sheriff in a very long time. But like I said, uh, the podcast came out um, before I get to my question, actually, let's play uh, the COE was able to grab a couple of sound bites. Let's play this first sound bite. I have no idea what's on this. We'll listen together and then we'll uh, ask Phil Ramos and Phil Waters about it. Here we go. This is uh, uh, Sheriff Jeff Gaylor uh, from his podcast, uh, which is called Into the Sheriff's Spotlight. Uh, highly confident that the DNA that we recovered from the crime scene points conclusively to our suspect. However, the way DNA works is it is able at this stage to connect us through the CODIS database we spoke about to another unknown crime. There is no DNA database that would be able, allow me to be able to plug that in there and have it just, just give me a name. That's not how it works. The only people that are, um, that are named in a CODIS database, people who have committed a qualifying crime. So if you haven't been arrested and committed one of these crimes and been to prison, then your name is not in a database. There is no uh, you know, massive database with everyone's DNA. That's not how it works. But what it does allow us to do is to link these two crimes. And when we do locate our suspect, which we will, it will be able to conclusively link him to the crime scene. Uh, so Phil Ramos, just uh, by the way, there was also someone else on the podcast named Captain Andy Lane. So I'm not sure if that was... Uh, the captain or the sheriff, but what's he really saying here, Phil Ramos? He's saying we know who you are. We just don't have a face to put to the to the DNA database, and that was pretty conclusive. Those are those are pretty conclusive comments that he made. Um, so it's not you know, television. Go Say it again, Phil Waters. It's not television. That's what he's saying. That's right. what he said. There you go. Yeah, and, he did. And, he did say we're going to catch this guy. I heard that. But Phil Ramos, go ahead. Yeah. And here's the reality of DNA. Um, there's only a handful of DNA genealogy companies that cooperate with law enforcement that give us access when we have a reason to search their database to do the forensic genealogy on it. Um, and without naming names, the world's biggest one tells us go pound sand. We're not going to share anything with you. And um, that is unfortunate because many crimes could be solved if this company would work with law enforcement, but they just refuse to do so. So when you've got a geneticist working on it and the geneticist comes up with, okay, well, here's a second uncle or here's a first cousin, you still have to find them in the DNA database that you have to work with. And it could very well be that um, they have made some headway on that. But if nobody in the family has ever entered their, their DNA into a database, then you're still out of luck until, until something like this happens. My sense of it is that they haven't been able to match anything uh, genetic-wise. But we, but we don't know what we don't, that could be part of the holdback. We don't, we don't know enough about the investigation for them to say, yeah, we, we found his cousin in 
Iowa somewhere. But we don't know that. Um, Frankie Figs, one of our amazing mods, uh, lives in, not far from here, I think. And she says it's off I-95, which lends itself to transients. But I doubt he got off a major highway to do this and then got back on. I bet he was working in the area, uh, saying that to Hey Mona. Um, Phil Waters. So Sheriff Jeff Gaylor on this podcast into the Sheriff Spotlight, uh, and this was kind of the headline, said that his quote-unquote gut tells him the suspect in Rachel Morin's murder stalked the mother of five. And that's why Gary Bricado came in and said this is not indicative of a stalking. But he said his gut tells him that she was stalked. Um, just wondering if you take issue with that or think it's strange to talk about your gut when you're a sheriff, because I know you have said many times, don't go with emotion, go where the evidence takes you. So curious how you square this statement. Well, there's a difference between going with the emotion and going with your gut. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, as a detective, you develop uh, kind of a sixth sense about things and you will have a gut uh, reaction to certain things. I don't, I don't have any problem with him at all saying that, that, that his gut's telling him a certain thing. Um, now, I don't know how involved he is with the actual investigation, what his experience is as a detective or as an investigator. So um, I don't know what his, what the depth of his gut is, but I, I just, I got no problem with that. I mean, uh, I've no in investigations, I've made the same kind of same kind of comment to myself or my partner. We've discussed that, that this is what our gut's telling us. And sometimes it's right. And sometimes it's wrong. So, uh, I'm not going to be critical of, of, of the sheriff saying that. And, and, and if his, he's there on the ground, he's the one that's most familiar with this case. So I think people like us, uh, questioning his view of the case, I think that's a little silly. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to question what he's saying. That's what he feels. That he, he knows that investigation. He knows what happened. He knows all the players involved and, and uh, that's what his gut is telling him. So mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not going to be critical of that observation at all. By the way, look at this from CG, fulfilling guests. I love it. But I would change the first one to FIL. I would just, it'd be fulfilling guests. Um, that would just be me. But uh, Phil Waters, is today the actual day? Is today the anniversary to your beloved wife? Um, and I know you're going to see the, are you going to see the Eagles tonight? Yeah, we're going to be seeing the final farewell tour at Toyota Center with the Eagles. What? But this is for your anniversary, is it not? No, 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 no. no oh, no. I thought it was your anniversary. anniversary. Our anniversary is in December. Oh, all right. Well, anyway, have fun at the show. What are you going to – I'm curious. What do you wear to an Eagles concert, Phil Waters? I uh, I wear a shirt, <laughs> pants. You, uh, you wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Are you wearing like an Eagles T-shirt? Will you buy an Eagles T-shirt concert? T oh yeah, yeah, sure, of course, of course, I will. I, ha I have one from the from the uh, tour with the ho the uh, Hotel California tour we saw in 2020. So, mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get no, a T-shirt. Sure. My kids have never heard of the Eagles, but they have heard of. Uh, That's your fault. 
Yeah, they've never heard of the Eagles, but they have heard of uh, what's Lizzo. Have you? Do you like Lizzo's music, Phil Waters? Who? That's what I thought. Um, we'll come back to that in a little bit. Phil Phil uh, Ramos. I prefer, is- I prefer to listen to real music. <laughs> I'll put yep. it that. Yeah. Don't get me in trouble today. And Phil now we'll Ramos. get in the discussion about all that don't, other stuff. They got everybody. Panties everyone, everyone's p- panties will be in a while. Oh, we, can't yeah. ha- we can't have that this Friday. Uh, Phil Ramos has a reputation to uphold. Uh, from Biggie here, Biggie Small is one of the best rappers ever. What a segue. Uh, Phil Ramos, this is coming up a lot in chats. So I just want you to yeah, comment on this. There are a lot of untested rape kits on every county shelf. If so, would we have any idea if this guy already raped 100 people? Um, how big a problem is it that there's a backlog on these uh, rape test kits? It's a whole other show, by the way, but I'm just curious. Yeah, uh, it, it's a big problem, and it's all financial. You know, uh, we have such a problem with budgets in America, with our law enforcement budgets, that you just don't have the money to run every single rape kit uh, in in. A proper amount of time so yeah they sit there until you can get to them and then most agencies have limited scientists working in their dna unit i mean here we have half a dozen and that still isn't enough to get caught up so we're always asking for grants to help get that process caught up it very that very well could be the case we don't know um but with with that possibility existing you still can't you know, go through the hundreds and hundreds of uh, not tested rape kits to try and find this one person based on that possibility. So um, it comes down to money, man. Just like so many, so many issues with law enforcement these days, we don't have the money to do everything we need to and to do it properly. Uh, Phil Ramos, by the way, I would never uh, predict that you're your room would be pink in color with a me sign. And it looks like a stuffed gorilla or something over your right shoulder. That That's not your bedroom, is it? No, that's our granddaughter's See, <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a and, detective. I, I notice yeah, things. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's yeah, a cute room. I had to use her computer because we've got stuff going on in the, in our usual <laughs> office. And she said, Papa, you can't move my stuff. I said, no, I won't move your stuff. <laughs> uh, my daughters would like that room a lot. Miss um, Brazy here says, agree 100%, Phil. Those closest to the case know it best. Enjoy the concert. And look at this, Phil, F-I-L. Lizzo is from Houston. You and the wife should listen to some Lizzo on your way to the Eagles concert. Uh, followed by Tali, our friend in Israel. Love how both Phil and uh, Phil were undercover and have the best stories. Both these guys, and I'm, I'm trying to push Phil Waters into writing a book, but I need to get Phil Ramos to do the same thing. And I've got just a guy for them. So um, Matt McMahon, who's in the chat, uh, he tweeted this out after this comment about the gut. And he said, um, the sheriff also went on to say that there wasn't anything to support this. Uh, It was just his gut feeling. And he, and Matt says, my gut feeling is the suspect likely saw Rachel running on the trail on days or weeks prior to the attack, but on the day of the attack, he had no specific target in mind. Phil Ramos, I mean, I know this is all speculation, but anything to add to that? Any way to tell if it was, um, you know, 
stalking, not stalking, a spur of the moment crime? How would you know? Well, you know, it's hard to say. There's so many different levels of stalking. You know, you see celebrities being stalked on a regular basis, going to their house and following them in their car. You know, that's a level of stalking. And then you have a guy going through the grocery store that sees a a woman in in a pretty dress and follows her through the grocery store. That's to some extent, that's a level of stalking. So it it all it all depends on on how intent this killer was. And it sounds like he had, from the beginning, he was going to kill her. So however he came in contact with her, it it may have been stalking for a brief moment, or he may, I I think if he'd have been stalking her for a while, this would have happened sooner. Look at this, Phil Waters, uh, your adopted daughter here. Hi, Dad. Hi, Joel. Abby, ta ha 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 And then Miss... Crazy here says, uh, welcome to the Hotel California, Phil. Uh, there you go. Let's let's listen. There's one other sound bite here. Uh, Patty Davis says, so jealous, Phil. Enjoy the concert. Let's play this uh, next sound bite here and listen. This is from uh, the Sheriff's Podcast. I can share the fact that, yes, this case is actively investigated by the Los Angeles Police Department, who uh, who did initially recover that hat, which was an excellent find and and enabled us to be able to link these two crimes together. Uh, that crime that occurred there was also a violent attack. Um, there's nothing that uh, we know right now that would point us to, to the belief that it was anything other than um, a random attack. Um, there were multiple people within that home who were uh, injured, and there were uh, minor children who were injured as well in that attack. I think that case along with this case, highlight how uh, dangerous uh, this individual is and how important it is to locate him uh, for public safety. Phil Waters, uh, what do you do with that information, that the attack in L.A. was a violent attack? He attacked some, I think he said, children. Uh, What do you do with that information if you're you, a homicide detective? Well, I would want to know what what was the uh, impetus for the attack. Why did he pick those, you know, do they know why he picked that family? Does he know what, what was the point? I mean, you see him leaving with his shirt off and what does that mean? And so um, I'm sure LA has shared all that with the sheriff. And so they have the motivation behind it and so forth and so on. And, and maybe understand why he may have picked that family. So these are things that we don't know. And those details, in my opinion, need to remain with those agencies in a collaboration on this uh, this uh, collaborative investigation they've got going with the same suspect. So, you know, those are details known only to the detectives and should remain that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dom's mom, a friend of the show, always on here, and her son has my birthday, so he's uh, especially cool. Now that they have a sketch of this guy, uh, Phil Ramos, is it safe to assume that they're going to go back through any surveillance ring cameras from around the trail entrance that day? What what does you know, it's for public consumption. But what about the police? How do they use these sketches? Well, she makes a good point. Um, there's a couple things to think about on on the release of these sketches. Surely he's paying attention to what's going on. And now that he sees, oh, crap, they they know what I look like. 
and then he sees the hat, he go and he may not even remember losing the hat, you know, and they say, Oh man, I'm done. I left my hat. They know who they know what they're looking for. So I would imagine that they would at least show the images and and I think they probably already have to show these sketches to the witnesses, their best witnesses to this point, and see if they can elaborate any further uh based off of off of the sketches. Um and that may be why they held off on releasing them because they didn't want to tip their hand to this guy seeing the releasing said, look, we know what you look like and we know what your DNA profile is. This could scare him into burying himself in a cave somewhere and we'll never hear from him again. Or depending on what kind of screwed up mindset he has, he, you know, he could, he could uh, go the opposite way too. So, all right, well, you guys know who I am. See if you can catch me on this one. Uh, Phil Ramos from Tali in Israel. I wonder if Phil Ramos and Phil Waters' grandchildren know how badass their grandpas are. Is your granddaughter impressed with your work history, Phil Ramos, or could she care less? Um, it, it depends on the situation. You know, uh, we saw a 2020 episode that I had done, and, and she says, Papa, is that you? <laughs> it was 10 years ago. I said, yeah, that's me. She goes, you look so young and handsome. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that. Uh, Phil yeah. Waters, how about your grandchildren or your children? Are they impressed that you're a homicide detective? Impressed? Well, um... do they look up? I mean, everyone looks up to their dad except my kids. But, you know, are you held in higher esteem because you're a homicide? I get no respect. I'm like, Rod. well, I've got I've got nine grandchildren uh, ages. Well, do they all nine grandchildren run to their own friends and say, my grandpa was a homicide detective in the Houston PD? Is that the first thing? Oh, I don't I don't think so. I mean, some of them are just too young to even understand all that. But uh, mm -hmm. uh you know, my kids, of course they knew, I mean, and, and, um, and they were, um, I think they were proud of what I did and, and what I was able to accomplish for, uh, for victims families. So, uh, to that extent, sure. Uh, by the way, Abby Tahaha's father is a fire chief. She dropped that on us when she came yeah. on our show to celebrate her birthday. And she says, I am majorly in awe of my dad as you should be first responders, man. I've got all the respect in the world and for law enforcement. So captain Andy lane, he is, uh, he was on this podcast, a captain in the, uh, Harford County Sheriff's office. And here's his direct quote. In fact, we've spoken to a number of witnesses who not only saw Rachel that day, but they saw Rachel almost every day at the same time on the trail, walking and running and exercising in the same area. He added that the suspect obviously took the time to be familiar with the area and was most likely or potentially familiar with Rachel. Uh, Phil Ramos, I mean, he knows the investigation like Phil Waters just said, but it's interesting uh, that this captain is saying that he took time to be familiar with the area and he was probably familiar with Rachel herself. Uh, what does that tell you? Well, it wasn't a spur of the moment crime if if that was the case um and we go back to what level of stalking did this involve so you know he could have been just casually in the area and and she caught his eye and he said oh man 
let me see what her schedule is. And, you know, he could have spent a couple of days just doing a recon on her activities and, and decided now's the day to do it. I, I don't think this was a, wow, look at her. I'm going to go grab that. I don't think that was the case here. It, it sounded like there was at least a little bit of pre-planning to it. Hmm. Uh, Phil Waters, we uh, diverge. I will get hate mail, but a quick one for Fleur de Lis, friend of the show. The question is for Phil. I have trauma to my knee. And now I'm looking at a knee rep replacement. Phil just had a knee replacement. Seems you got over pretty good. Did you have to stay in the hospital or did you get to go home? Do you recommend the knee replacement, Phil? Phil? Yes. You do. Are you back? Are you not? A, you had yeah, both, no, Ramos? No, I've, only had, I've only had one and I'm hoping I, I hold out on the on the other one. But I've yeah, uh, had both and absolutely do it, man. Don't wait. Do it now. So How was, was your recovery, Ramos? Yeah, the was recovery's recovery tough, man. Recovery's tough. You get you got to go to therapy, you know, a good six weeks, and it hurts like hell. I mean, here, here, my ugly old butt was on that table, and the therapist had me crying every time, man. Bending your knee and working it, but you got to do that. You got to loosen it up. You got to do the exercises, yeah. and you got to do the therapy. And uh, yeah. if you don't, then you're you're just you're your own worst enemy. But uh, right. I had right. some great people, and the doctors were great, and. And the word that was used at the very beginning by the doctor was when it's when you're through the process and you've you've got the therapy done and all that, it will be fantastic was the word yep. they kept using. Yep. And even friends of mine that had that have had it, they kept saying fantastic. Well, I'm about I guess I'm 10 weeks out, 11 weeks out, and we are right on the cusp of fantastic already. Yep. So our are you uh, are you a hundred percent Phil Waters or where are you? Are you walking with a limp? Like what's going on? No, no, no. Look at that, no. amazing. Uh, PT is important. No. Someone says Fleur de Lis says she doesn't have a choice. Phil Ramos, what were you doing that destroyed both of your knees? I mean, detective works hard, but it ain't that hard. What's going on with you guys? No, I, that was a lot of bar fights and chasing bad guys over a wall <laughs> that's six foot on one side and eight foot on the other, and just you know, just the nature of the job. Yeah. Yeah, I, getting into homicide, we have all the young bucks to do all the chasing bad guys and wrestling them. But by then, it was too late anyway. And and I played a lot of football. And that there you go. Uh, how many bar fights have you been in, Phil Ramos? <laughs> On duty or off duty? <laughs> off duty. <laughs> off duty one. On duty. About yeah, there was a lot. And, and really. Before I before I went into undercover working the uh, <laughs> bikers, they they're not afraid of the cops, man. I responded to yeah. a bar where there was a fight, and I go in there, and it's just me. My backup is still about a minute away, and they look at me and they go, "You're not going to win this." I said, "Well, eventually we're going to win," and and it was fist city, man. We were going at it. They didn't try to grab my gun or anything like that. It was just punches to the face and to the back. Yeah, Bill, what's Phil Ramos, what is your what is your first? This is I could do this for a hundred hours. What's your first move in a fight, Phil Ramos? You take your defensive stance, yeah. get in the position, and wait and see where the blows are coming. <laughs> now you know that was. There's people have this idea that cops can shoot anybody they want to at any time they want to, and and you can't. You just can't. There's got to be an immediate threat of serious bodily harm. Um, before you can before you can use deadly force, so uh, you know a guy fighting you with his bare fist, yeah, that 
in, in my view, after investigating almost 50 officer-involved shootings, uh, a guy coming at you with a bare fist, that's not that's not justifiable deadly force. Mm. By the way, I know this is this is going to come as a huge surprise to everyone, but I've never been in a fist fight. Um, however, I would like to be punched in the face for some reason. I feel like that would be like a rite of passage. I don't want Phil or Phil to do it, but Phil Waters, um, were you in bar fights prior to law enforcement, Phil Waters? Like in your Marines days, were you, were you in bar fights? <laughs> Oh, I've been in a couple. In fact, one uh, fact, one was in the Oak Club at the New River Air Station at Camp Lejeune, which was almost like a movie. It was kind of, uh, I mean, there were bodies flying across the, yeah, it was pretty, looking back on it, it was, it was kind of fun, you know, at the time. But, uh, yeah, there's been a couple of uh, brouhaha's I've been involved in, sure. And uh, when you were working, uh, when you were working, let's say, I don't know, undercover, but when you were a a beat cop, would you have to throw down? Because uh, like Phil Ramos just said, you can't just go and shoot someone. So would you would you get into scuffles in that regard? Oh, sure. I've 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 had the, you know, use of force and and, you know, we we use the amount of force necessary to bring about a legitimate law enforcement uh, achievement, which is putting somebody under arrest in most cases. Uh, I would, I would, I've got a little bit different view about shooting somebody who doesn't have a weapon. Uh, one mm. of the first shootings. Here that comes I Texas. Was, Here's Texas right now. Go ahead. Phil well, this was actually occurred in Oklahoma. Um, mm. Same difference. I was, I was home on leave from the Marines and a friend of mine was a, an Oklahoma highway patrol trooper. And so he, come out and ride. So I did. And the first night that I went out and rode with him, uh, there was a shooting up on I-44 in Tulsa involving his lieutenant. And we got to the scene and this was a guy, I mean, this was one of these, uh, you know, throwing hay bale country strong guys. And, uh, and he was, he was a, a big guy. And the lieutenant was a big guy, but this guy was a big guy. And to couple his physical strength and size, he was also uh, on meth. And uh -huh. so when he, when the trooper stopped him, uh, lieutenant gets out of, of his car and has the guy come back to him, the uh, guy immediately lunged at him, started to get in a, a fight with him and tried to push him into the freeway traffic. And, um, he pulled his 357 and blew him away. And uh, so completely justified. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it depends. It de and as, as Phil's already said, and, and, and the law applies equally to everybody. It's not just police officers. We, we, uh, we have to comply with the use of deadly force under the law, just like any citizen does. So as he's are, as, as Phil's already stated, if you're in fear of serious bodily injury or death, you're justified in using deadly force. And so in that particular instant where he had no weapon other than his hands, um, Took him out, yeah. and it, it was completely justified. So yeah, I'll go with you on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, 
Now, fortunately, I mean, you know, and sometimes you'll get these guys. I looked, I worked, I worked, a, a, I worked on a site where a guy got in a fist fight with another guy in a bar and the other guy that's losing the fight pulls his pistol and points it at the guy. And so the guy said, what are you going to do? Shoot me? <laughs> well, guess what? Texas, Boom. baby. That's what he did. So in mm. that instant, not justified, right? Wow. You just, cause you're well, losing the fight doesn't necessarily mean you get to use deadly force, but is that guy serving a life sentence out of curiosity? Do we know? Gosh, I don't remember. He, he, he probably was one of those that, uh, you know, pled to 40 years or something, but I'm sure he got a little bit of time. Uh, I could listen to Phil and Phil all day myself, and I digress into a little kids. I love these stories. Carm probably punched kids in Joel's defense. Never went that far, but Carm is sort of a badass. She, uh, she knows how to shoot a gun. She went to a firing range. I'm going to try to find the uh, photos, and she was just showing me the other day. Um, how she shoots she was actually using her hands you know pointing it as a weapon to show me how she holds her weapon and how she has to be still and steady so don't let the looks fool you um i have no idea where i have one more ridiculous question for phil ramos but hi from palatka florida angela tell me what that's next to because i've never heard of it um Phil Ramos, hypothetical, right now, after the show, you go to Target with your granddaughter and you see someone uh, abusing a Target sales clerk, hitting them, and it's a male in his 20s or 30s. How quickly could you get that person to the ground if you wanted to? You said with my granddaughter? Let's say it's just you. Let's say you're going to Target alone. How just quickly me, can you? Then, then yeah, then I would react. If, if my granddaughter's with me, no, I'm not going to put her in that position. Yeah, but if you're alone, you would react. Yeah. But my question: yeah. How long would it take you, at your current state, with your new knees, to get that guy to the ground? I can still hold my own. I can still hold my own. You know, <laughs> it, they we learn a lot in defensive tactics, and and you just. Muscle memory works, you know, is when, when that split second decision has to be made and, and you got to grab somebody and take them down that number one, they're not expecting you to do that. And, and number two, you, you remember how to do it from all the defensive tactic training that you've had. Phil Waters, if you had to guess how many times in your career have you taken someone down? Is it 10 times, 50 times, a hundred times, 500 times, Phil Waters? Again, I mean, to sit and try to count it. Um, yeah. Give me a rough estimate. Give I me mean, a rough estimate. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be able to tell you. I mean, I, I'd just sit here and. I mean, over a thirty-three year career, I'd have to. Uh, <laughs> I'll say a thousand. By the way, Phil and uh, Scott were supposed to teach me takedown techniques. We're going to do that live. I've decided uh, at CrimeCon 2024. Uh, this is the video. Uh, just I want to put a bow on the uh, Rachel Morin story for now. This is the video of that suspect leaving. Uh, this is not me now, so don't come sending me hate mail and uh, things of that nature. But Phil already brought it up, and this will open up a bit of a Pandora's box. But the sheriff did address Phil Waters the matter of the suspect's citizenship or lack thereof. Uh, and he talked about the uh, recent uh, influx of migrants coming in. 
And he says, we don't know if this suspect is in the United States legally. And he says, we don't want to rule that out. Um, and he says it adds another layer of complication. So Phil Waters, how how much of a problem is it if we don't know if this guy's documented, not documented here or possibly south of the border? Um, how do you deal with that as a homicide investigator? Well, it's a huge problem. And I'll just reiterate what I've already said. I mean, this guy, if this guy's not documented in some way, in some place, and he's just bouncing in in and out of the the open borders. Um, yeah, this is going to be tough. That's what was happening with uh, Resendez. And fa- in fact, he was, if I remember correctly, he was in Mexico and, at his sister's house. And his sister, I believe, contacted a Texas Ranger who eventually brought him to the, to the border. So uh, yeah, this is a huge problem. If anybody thinks that this the, the issue of illegal immigration is not a problem regarding crime, then you're just an idiot. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is a huge problem, and this is what makes this case more difficult because there is a possibility, certainly, that this guy is in the country illegally. And, he's, and by the way, he's not a migrant. These people, I, I know now we're not supposed to use the term illegal, but, you know, these folks are being referred to as migrants. They're not migrants. They're they're in the country illegally. So uh, this presents a problem for law enforcement, and we're seeing it day in and day out. And and it's it's going to be a problem with this guy. So I am going to be curious if and when they catch this guy to find out what his status is. Phil Ramos, uh, your take on that. Uh, you are of Hispanic descent. Um, do you have a take one way or the other? Uh, is it is it create issues? By the way, La Mesa here. Phil can and Phil, can you please before working with Joel re- regarding body takedowns, insist that he wears one of those sumo suits. Uh, the COE does not need him in a body cast. Good idea. Uh, go ahead, Phil, Phil Ramos. Yeah, I concur completely with Phil. Um, yeah, I'm Hispanic, been Hispanic all my life, but I'm also indigenous, so I've got my own take on the border situation. Um, that could be, you know, now, now that I sit and think about it, that could be where this guy is right now. Once, you know, once he's done these two crimes and he, he thinks it's only a matter of time, he could be hiding out somewhere in Mexico and we may never find him. That could also be why he has there hasn't been a hit through CODIS on the databases. Um I'm not going to say it's a distinct possibility, but it is it, it is a possibility. Uh, Patricia Siebold, and we're going to wrap this part of it up, and then we'll do some uh, crime stories of the week for the last 20 minutes or so. Then i got to let these guys go. Uh, OMG, have two Eagles T-shirts from 2022, still waiting for Joe Walsh to propose to me. Phil Waters, maybe you can help with that. <laughs> uh, Michael Couture, friend of the show. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, Bill Ramos, back to you on this. The fact that there's no video of him walking in and he seems careful to not show his face walking out, how would he know the camera was there without being familiar with the house? That's a good point. We only see this angle and he is careful, it seems like, unless it's a fluke. Uh, What do you make of that? Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, It's a good observation. Um, He could have come in a different way. Could have come in through the back door, through the garage. This... uh, looks to be the front door with the sidewalk going out to the street that you can clearly see. Um, 
but it does look like he's aware of the camera because of the way he's hiding his face and the way he backs out of the door and turns right away and, and is out of there. Um, and the cops know why there wasn't a video of him at the front door. Uh, just to, yeah. Well, you know, just to add on to that, uh, I don't, I don't know that he's aware of the camera because he's talking to this, this, this gal at the door. So his attention is on her and he's just backing out and he's watching her and then he backs out. And of course he goes the way he goes. So I don't, I don't know that he's, it doesn't strike me that he's aware of that camera. He's, yeah, by the way, originally they said that arm was a young girl's arm. Then someone said it was a young man. So I'm not sure well, who, you know, who that arm belongs. Difference. I mean, yeah. the point is, he's somebody's in the doorway yeah. talking to him, and he's focused on them. Yeah. He's not worrying about the camera. He's focused on them, and he's in fact he backs out, watching them, and then they close the door and he goes off. So he's. I mean, who knows? You know, he's he's worried about what they're going to do or not going to do. So Ramos, why didn't he put his shirt on before he left? Lisa wants to know any guesses. <laughs> we'll ask him that question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was in a hurry to get out of there. Yeah, 100 percent. He was. Uh, so uh, detectives have conducted over 100 interviews, a thousand tips. It's been a multi-state investigation. Seven different states uh, have been looked at. Uh, in regards to this case, and there's been help from 10 federal, local, and state agencies. There's also been bilingual flyers out there, and now there is a $35,000 reward. Um, And now we will spend the remaining time talking about some of the crime stories of the week. By the way, this is important. Anyone with information related to the Rachel Moore, uh, Moore murder case Urge to contact the Harford County Sheriff's Office at 410-836-7788 or via email. I emailed them yesterday, rmtips at harfordsheriff.org. I'm going to send that email to Ramos and Waters afterwards to get their take on it. Um, it is a photo of someone that looks eerily similar. Curious, to see. those guys are probably going to tell me I'm crazy, but we'll see. Uh, so, Phil Waters, there's a story out there that's been out there for a while, and it's interesting because it sounds like police bumbled this case. Her name is Megan Drumhiller. She was found dead back on January 28th of 2022. I don't have a photo of her. 30-year-old, 31-year-old Michigan woman. Two years later, her parents, her own parents, are now offering a $100,000 reward. They say that, and I quote from the family, Megan was very open with us. We had access to everything, passwords, medical records, her credit card statements, her telephone, her phone records, uh, she went on. Um, Authorities had so much within 24 hours, but I was so naive. I really believed there would be an arrest within days. But they go on to say that um, she she, she died of asphyxiation, um, according to the coroner's report. But now, two years later, the family has found out Uh, that they still haven't processed most of the evidence for DNA. That's number one. They have not processed the evidence for DNA. And secondly, they found out that the Carrollton Township Police Department have failed to interview the witnesses on their witness list, the majority of these witnesses. My question to you, what the hell is going on here in Carrollton Township, Michigan? 
They don't run, they don't process the DNA. They don't, the evidence for DNA and they don't interview witnesses. And then there's some more to it besides that. What do you think's going on here? Is this just poor training, ineptness? What is it? Well, I guess my first question is, is how big is this city? How big is this town? How big is this department? Well, and I know that the Michigan State Police have now taken over the investigation. Okay. Well, I assume it's a that, small town, but I don't know. That was exactly. going to be my next uh, question was, has, has the state police taken over the investigation? It, it, just from what you've said, <clears throat> it sounds to me like you've got a relatively small department with a relatively inexperienced group of detectives in homicide investigations. And, you know, I mean, and you don't know what you don't know. And so it's taken two years for this thing to finally get to the desk of the state police, which are now that have the resources. I mean, they don't, you know, Phil was talking about rightfully so about budgets, about money. And, and it is expensive to get DNA testing done. Uh, all these, all these forensic uh, testing and labs that, that these uh, materials go to, it's not cheap. And so, if if they don't have, I, I would assume, I know in <clears throat> excuse me, I know in Texas, the smaller agencies can send the DNA, uh, any kind of testing that needs to be done in that way, or trace evidence for that matter, to uh, to the state <clears throat> and have a state lab uh, do all the testing for them. So. Um, it sounds to me like you've just got a, <clears throat> you've got several different factors involved in this particular investigation and probably starting with people that didn't really know where to go. I'd be curious to know how many homicides they've had in this town. Yeah, I and would be too. Um, what's the that, average? Yeah, this is, by the way, a picture of her very pretty young woman, Megan Drumhiller, no longer well, with you, us because she was found strangled that, to death. Okay, you said asphyxiation. I was going to ask you what manner of asphyxiation. Uh, I believe she was. I believe. I believe she was strangled to death. She was strangled. Um, yeah, Phil Ramos. This is where it gets even more kind of disturbing from an investigative standpoint. The lead detective, he worked on this case for five months, but he did it remotely for four <laughs> or five months because he had COVID nineteen and rarely visited the crime scene. And then they told the family that there was a second woman's DNA found at the crime scene. Uh, but then police backtracked and said there was a miss. The, this is from the family. Now there was a misdiagnosis made along the way. And there was a period in which they told us there was unknown female DNA at the scene. And it was such a major event that we got calls from the detective. We got calls from everybody involved and they told us it appears as though another female was involved in this crime, and we went into absolute shock. But later on, a detective called and apologized to the family, telling him that the DNA was not, in fact, a second female's, but that Drumhiller's DNA had not immediately been isolated. So, Phil Ramos, this is a complete cluster. The guy's working remotely. Um, 
that's one job you can't work remotely. I mean, what what do you make of this? And then misidentifying the DNA, basically implying that they had an idea who did it only to say, no, this is your daughter's DNA. Well, it's like Phil said, this, this is clearly a smaller department with limited resources. And if the lead detective on a homicide case is home with COVID and working remotely, that, that's that's not how you do it. You give it to another detective who's there and can go through all the evidence and go to the scene. The fact that that didn't happen, this guy might be the only detective on the entire department. We, we don't know. But my sense of it is this is a very small department with limited resources, and so they had to give it to a larger agency. Um, but, yeah, I agree with Phil. This could be a training issue, too. It, it, you know, I, I can't sit here in judgment of another agency because I don't know anything about the agency or the investigators. But if you only have one detective to work a homicide, then that tells me you have a really small department and this detective probably has never worked a homicide. Uh, and you obviously have to know what you're doing. It's not yeah. uh, it's not child's play. So on the flip well, side, let me interject here. Please do, Phil Waters. You cannot do detective work sitting on your butt at a no. desk talking on a phone. Nope. Used to irritate the crap out of me to watch some of my peers that would sit there and try to work a case sitting in the office on a phone. Mm. You're not going to clear cases that way, period. And if this guy was using this Wuhan nonsense as an excuse to not go work <laughs> homicide in his town, then he's an idiot. Hate so, mail at fillwaters.com. I can tell you there should have been nothing preventing that guy except for going out there, making that scene and working that homicide. And that's, yeah. that's for the victim and the family. I mean, you gotta, you gotta put your, your, your self-preservation with all that. Not, you've got to put that behind you. Now, if that department was issuing some sort of edict that through that nonsense that, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, that's even, that's even more dumb. You you cannot not do your job based on some kind of crap like that. You've got to go do the job. You can't, it's not like you can go and address that later on. Because once you lose the scene, you can never recreate it. You can never go back and, and recreate yeah. it. Once you've lost, and there's no telling what kind of evidence that was lost because he didn't make that scene. Right, right. Yeah. And Phil, Phil's 100%. Here's the other aspect to that. If they make an arrest, what a built in defense you have right there. Oh, Talk gosh, about yeah. a shoddy investigation. You know, that, that uh, investigation is filled with errors, and then you're going to try and convince a jury that you got it right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a, yeah, that's not likely. And uh, SCS Nation uh, stepping up here. Carrollton Township is a civil township of Saginaw County in the U.S. state of Michigan. The population was 6,100 uh, in the 200 in the 2010 census. So obviously a very small um, district here. Imagine this for a moment. Imagine you go to the police academy, you do uh, like beat work, and then you're like 29 years old. And they say, Joe, meet your homicide partner, Phil Waters. And he just starts teeing off on you. It's like, you can't do this at a desk. Get your ass there and then you're like oh man but it'd be a good guy to learn from okay so on the flip side of this and we'll race through some of these stories and let these guys go 
1980 cold case out of Michigan, Phil Ramos. It was a young woman named Karen Humphrey. She was 21 years old at the time. She was found dead on November 2nd, 1980. Uh, she had gotten into an argument reportedly with her boyfriend in the morning hours of November 2nd. Um, around 3.30 that morning, a driver contacts the Port Huron police and reports seeing a woman being forced into a truck. Well, they used uh, the Michigan State Police, took over this investigation at some point in the four decades. And in 2022, they sent evidence over to Othram. We've had them on our show. They're a forensic genetic genealogy company. And lo and behold, they just arrested Anthony Harris, 63, and Douglas Laming, 70. 40 years later, Phil Ramos, how has the law enforcement game changed with science? And 40 years later, they still came and got these guys. So the long arm of the law, once again, it wins. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to Othram. We use them almost exclusively, and they're a great, great company. Um, so that just goes to show you, not only not only has science evolved in helping us solve crimes, but digital electronics have evolved. I mean, you know, most people don't realize if you got your cell phone on, we will know within half hour every place you've been in the prior 24 to 48 hours with that cell phone. And it, it, it's something that people don't realize because they're so used to modern devices, but you know, we always used to talk about, <laughs> you know, big brothers watching. Well, not only big brother, big sister and grandpa's watching now, too. Um, you, you, your movement is tracked everywhere with video surveillance, neighborhood surveillance, businesses, uh, your electronics. It's it's um, it's an amazing tool that we have to help us. But you still have to, you know, be very, very aware of stick and whistle 101 and beating the bushes and knocking on doors. Yeah, you can't. Um, that's one job. You can't have COVID or, or uh, um, quarantine and be sitting at home. Although I just had COVID and it sucked. Uh, Jerry Michael, we are finding more and more cold cases being solved. If you did the crime, you will do the time sooner or later. Yes, you will. So you better think twice. Phil Waters, uh, this story disturbed me very much. I want to get your take on this because you've nothing surprises Phil Waters or Phil Ramos, but this is disturbing. An Alaska woman was just sentenced to 99 years in prison for killing her 19-year-old best friend. This happened in 2019, and it happened after she, the suspect, the convicted killer, she was catfished by a man who offered her $9 million to commit the murder. And she said, Wow, let me get that $9 million and just kill this person. This person offering to give the money didn't even exist uh, in real life. I think they tracked him down and they arrested him too. Um, is money the root of all people, Phil Waters? Well, we've answered this question before. It's the love of money that is the root of evil. And uh, you know what? John Wayne said, life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. So <laughs> that story you just told, she earned at 99 years. I mean, how stupid can you be? 
It's just it it Phil Ramos. I, I ask Phil this all the time, Phil Waters. I mean, it just blows my mind. Um, forget the nine million dollars. And I've asked you this, Phil Ramos. Why don't people think more than one cement block ahead of them? Why doesn't she think, okay, I get nine million dollars, but I'm also gonna get caught for this homicide, and then I'm not going to be able to spend the $9 million because I'm going to be in prison for the next 99 years. Why don't people take that extra step, Phil Ramos? Because people don't have common sense anymore. They watch too much TV. They think, uh, you know, this crime's going to be solved in 60 minutes, including commercials. They just don't think. You know, it, it, it boggles me some of the answers that we see on basic questions you know, I, all these generations have these little initials after them, but there's, there's one generation that doesn't even know how many stars are on the American flag. And they're just, they just don't think things through. It's simple as, it's as simple as that. Uh, these ne This next story is also a cautionary tale. You know, we do the kind of quirky, silly, crazy, not silly, but you, get, you know what I'm saying. Uh this is what I have dubbed the fender bender murder, uh, Phil Waters. Um, a dad of three and a grandfather of two. This could be you, Phil, although you have nine. He was killed in a Walmart parking lot after a very minor fender bender. His name is Jonathan Mauk, M-A-U-K. He goes to Walmart in San Bernardino, California on the night of February 5th to get supplies to make beef jerky. That's it. He was just going to try to make some beef jerky. He was backing up after passing a parking spot. This is probably how I will go out, by the way. He was backing up after passing a parking spot when his custom-built 1998 Chevrolet Camaro Supersport collided with another vehicle backing up. Well, he got out to apologize to the guy. That guy's name is uh, Chantice Marie Norton, 37 years old, and uh, Chantice shoots and kills this guy. The guy went to apologize, couldn't even get a word out, shoots and kills him. Um, our society is unraveled. You know, um, the other day I took my daughter to Walgreens and TJ Maxx um, just to run a couple of very simple errands. And while we're there, they are arresting a man who's refusing. The cops say, walk home, get lost. And the guy's talking back to the cops. Uh, bozo uh, alert. Phil Waters, in this day and age, if you get to a minor fender bender, um, it's not like the 1950s where you would either fight it out or just go your own way. What has happened to this world, Phil Waters? That's the small question. Well, we've answered this this question before. I'll keep, I'll keep asking it. Two more and, stories. Uh, you know, my simple answer is that uh, we f we live in a fallen world and it's sin. And that's that's the truth. And so when the, I saw, in fact, I saw this article and it struck me about the grandfather aspect of it in the parking lot. So I read it and saw what had happened. And, and this is just an example of people who are so consumed with themselves, so self-absorbed that they have, and, and they had a couple of that, they have no respect for human life, none at all. And so their resolution is to, I, I'd be curious to know what the criminal history is behind this person that murdered this man um and uh and that guy ought to be uh he ought to be in prison for the rest of his life i mean what a what a what a waste what a wasteful uh event you know i mean 
took this man away from his family, his grandchildren, so on and so on, because of a bump in a parking lot. Are you- By the way, you know what I just realized? This is the 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 suspect is a woman. It is not. Yeah, a man. it's a woman. Yeah, it's yeah, a it was a woman. I didn't know yeah. that. I thought it was yeah. a male. So this it's is a, a thirty-seven. That's even stranger, isn't it? Isn't that a little more odd that a woman? Well, is Well, it just goes to show you. I mean. <laughs> There is a problem. There is a deep, deep, deep problem with the culture now. I mean, deeper than I've ever seen it in my lifetime. And uh, the response to something like this is you get so offended that your your solution to this is to get out and shoot this man. I, yeah. It's just beyond the pale. Crazy. Uh, By know. the way, before I forget, this takes precedence. I'm sorry, Phil. I know we're talking about a murder. But T-Pain, was this you that sent this to me? I got this. And uh, a goat alarm. It says funny goat scream for stress release and it needs batteries. But I'm not T-Pain. Let me know if that's you because I heard that you had sent something. And if it is, I love it. If it's not you, I still love it. It was me, T-Pain. I absolutely love it. Um, I think I was asking for a bell at one point. I rudely interrupted Phil Waters. But anyway, these guys, uh, their time is valuable. Two more quick stories here. Thank you. I am not T-Pain. Um, Phil Ramos. What do you, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me interrupt you. Oh, what sorry. are you supposed you, to do with the goat alarm? What are you um, supposed to do with it? I'm not T-Pain. Remind me, um, probably when your bozo alarm goes off, I'm supposed to do like, or maybe when we have a big moment, I'm going to hit the bell from now on. Um, yes, for when Phil gets people's panties in a wad, you said that on a Friday show. So when you get their panties in a wad, I go like this. <laughs> And I have the goat. I have to get the batteries for the goat. Um, but I do love the gifts. Well, what's um, it supposed to do? Because I didn't hear anything. Phil, did you hear anything? I didn't hear anything. I heard a little <laughs> tiny noise. Oh. oh. Well, you're going to have to get it up to the microphone. because <laughs> I'll get it up there. Uh, Phil Ramos, another disturbing story. I hate to say it, but I just don't understand society. And maybe you can help us figure this out. Um, a 17-year-old Reno, Nevada, your neck of the woods, a 17-year-old girl, woman, I guess she's a young lady, facing murder charges for allegedly shooting and killing two family members. And the reason she did this, Phil Ramos, was, and she said, I could not control the urge to kill somebody. Her name is Mashenka Reed. She called 911 herself. She says, I shot my dad. I shot my brother. My brother is dead. She allegedly used a Walter PPS and left the gun in her house. Um, they arrived at scene and found their brother, who was reportedly five, four or five years old, deceased from an apparent gunshot wound to the head. Reed's younger sister was also shot at home. Uh, the father sustained gunshot wounds to the chest and back. Two of the victims pronounced dead on the scene, but literally her reasoning for the police. Again, I quote, I couldn't control the urge to kill somebody. Phil Ramos, when you read that, what do you think? Yeah, I read that story. It, it caught my eye a couple of days ago. Um, that's just pure psychological. There's something wrong with this lady's head. Um, you know, put it bluntly. She, she's got the, her synapses aren't firing in the right order. And, and there'll probably be uh, a very lengthy psychological background done on her before she even goes to trial, if she even goes to trial. 
Uh, this is this is classic, classic. She's not going to be able to aid in her defense because of mental disorders, and and that's exactly what's going on. Whether that's a ruse, that's a possibility. But then, if it's a ruse, then then why go to the point of killing your own family members, your little brother, your mom, your dad, and and there were two family members that survived hiding in the closet, I believe. Yeah. Well, Phil Ramos, you'd obviously have to interview her. You'd want to know if there was a potential motive to kill her family, right? And if not, maybe she's just very mentally ill. Yeah, yeah. That, that, my sense of it is that that it's a you know mental health issue to the extreme. Um, I, I can't I can't think of anything else that would just not justify, but would cause her to act in that way. By the way, my dad and my, my dad was, was a psychiatrist. May he rest in peace. And uh, by the way, it's hard to believe. In the Jewish tradition, you say a prayer called the Kaddish. It is supposed to be said every day for 11 months. It's really for the living, not the dead. Um, and you're supposed to say it three times a day. But I am not that uh, – I wasn't able to do that. But I did go pretty much every day for 11 months. And today, believe it or not, how time flies is uh, – is my last day of saying this prayer 11 months but uh i have to tell you uh without getting sappy going to a synagogue and saying this prayer for 11 months it really connected me to my father and in a weird way it's kind of a sad day because after this you're no longer obligated to say it it's on my mind that's why i'm bringing it up uh louis Lu lois louise here says best guest sts uh final story here and then i'll show you a picture on our way out or two um Phil Waters, I always try to shock and surprise you and Scott Duffy. You guys are impenetrable. You cannot be shocked or surprised. Let's see if this one does it. Cincinnati, Ohio. Police arrested a 23-year-old mother after her four-year-old child was reportedly found driving a car with his two-year-old sibling in the front <laughs> Now, let me tell you something. I worked in West Palm Beach and there was a kid named Latarian. The COE will help me come up with his last name. And it was the biggest. It was when stories first went viral and he was nine years old and he was a chubby little cute kid. And he was driving grandma's car and he got into a huge fender bender. And when they, they interviewed him on the news and uh, his direct quote was something I'm paraphrasing was he was nine years old. He said, I like to smoke ciggies meaning cigarettes, and do bad things. And Latarian, by the way, grew up to be a good kid. Uh, but Phil Waters, four-year-old driving a two-year-old. Uh, the mother is arrested, booked into the Hamilton County Jail with her bond set at $10,000. What is the real problem here? The mother or the kids driving four and two years old? Um, it was not a Ferrari, as far as I know, Phil. <laughs> I will refer back to my John Wayne quote. <laughs> yeah i gotta Bill, go with you on that one in both of your guys combined 179 year career have either of you ever pulled over a four-year-old or a two-year-old no i can't no. stand <laughs> how did they even reach the pedals or the controls <laughs> yeah four years old must be a very I small don't... car I, I don't know. I mean, it could have been a Ferrari. It's low to the ground, but I wish there was video of this or at least video. I mean, I shouldn't say this, but of the kids. Um, if you guys never saw the Latarian thing, 
COE, what was his last name? I can't, it's coming to Latarian something, but he has the funniest, funniest sound bites. But anyway, um, four year olds driving two year olds. That's how we end this. Um, this final graphic is not the final graphic, but we were talking about Rachel Morin, Matthew Mc, McMahon's family, Nate Morin, Shannon Morin, Patty Morin. We're all thinking of you. Um, the reward is now $35,000. This is the sketch. You see the email. Last but not least, look at this. J-Mac. He is the future, and he's got a sense of humor. He went to school dressed this week, and I said, what's going on? He said, I want to be like Phil Waters. Look at that. <laughs> that is funny. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I want to be Phil. He said to me last night again, he said, I want to be a police officer when I grow up. Uh, and that's what I was starting to say, by the way, um, when I talked about the the prayer is I grew up the son of a psychiatrist and a social worker. And you cannot, you combine that with a Holocaust survivor for a mom, you cannot have a more crazy upbringing. So I was telling my wife, asking the COE, what's going to happen to our kids because they're growing up listening to true crime podcasts. They asked me about all these murders now. Um, I love that T-Pain said this. I was just grilling my mother. Shout out to Sandy, my mother-in-law, um, who is visiting right now. Um, little mini Joel. I love that you said that. But, uh, oh, <clears throat> Phil and Phil, my final question. When your kids knew that you were out solving these horrific crimes, do you think it affected them in any way, uh, Phil Ramos? Do you think that they were more situationally aware? Do you think that they knew that there were bad people out there because of what you did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were situationally aware from the beginning because, you know, we bring that home with us. You know, you'll never see us sitting with our back to the to the door of a restaurant. You'll never see us not watching everything that goes by and and it just it kind of you know bleeds over into them my, my kids still do it and they don't know why they do it but but they do it and yeah so uh, you know at least my, i had two two boys and, and they were very aware of and you know when that when it came time for them to make decisions on what to be they both wanted to be cops i said no no don't do that go be a fireman everybody loves firemen <laughs> That's right. Did they become firemen, Phil Ramos? No, they became architects, and one of them decided he was tired of being an architect, and now he's a tattoo artist. Oh, I love that. Is he all tatted up, tat sleeves and stuff? I've got some, yeah. No, no what, what What about your son, though, the tattoo oh, artist? he's all tatted up. Let's he see. is? Look at Phil Ramos. Phil yeah. Ramos is a certified guy. What is that? I can't tell what that is. That's a Harley bar in shield and a Harley Mandela. Oh, I love it. Phil Waters, do you have any tattoos? I've never asked you that question. Negative. Negative. There you go. Well, we listen, we've through, come uh, four years in college in a fraternity, six years in the Marine Corps, 33 years in law enforcement, almost five years in narcotics, working bikers, no tattoos. Mm. I Look came close. I came close one time, but uh, my uh, staff sergeant tried to get me inebriated, which he was successful yes. in that. But he, I was going to say the buzz wore off just in time. Yeah, there was some adult beverages involved, and uh, uh, he took me down into downtown Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is where Camp Lejeune is located, and 
we walked in and I may have told this story before, but we walked in and, and in those days, the tattoo parlors were like little holes in the wall and they were not sterile operating rooms like they are today. But, um, uh, yeah, so there's a big fat sloppy guy sitting behind the counter, uh, with a, uh, you know, wife beater shirt on and he's got the, uh, the, uh, and it's dirty and he's got the rag in his hand and it's got blood on it and he's putting a tattoo on the guy and I'm like I tell you what and I already had the thing picked out I mean I had it there's a bulldog head with a campaign cover on it had the spike collar with USMC and death before dishonor and all that is going right here and uh the whole bit and uh the Lord works in mysterious ways. So that guy sitting in that chair, spraying blood all over the place, putting that tattoo on, I sobered up like a judge in about 15 seconds. <laughs> and I turned around to my staff sergeant, and I, his name is Randy. I said, Randy, this ain't happening. And I turned around <laughs> and walked out. So now he, he, had, been the- he had tattoos, you know, he was a, you know, Vietnam vet and all that stuff. And he had the tattoos, but, uh, he almost came that close, but, uh, well, Phil, maybe the wife, will, maybe the, the wife will get you drunk at the Eagles concert and you can go to a tattoo parlor tonight. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. No, that, <laughs> that, right. that, that boat has sailed. That ship has yeah. sailed. That's <laughs> Well, let us know. Uh, Lisa White says you must have been the only one at Camp Lejeune without one. Phil, have an amazing time at the Eagles concert tonight. Um, make sure you get a shirt. Um, don't get too excited there. And uh, Phil Ramos, what are your weekend plans? Uh, I'm sorry, I, the noise over. That's Phil's you. Phil's uh, alarm. Are Are you going to redecorate your granddaughter's room this weekend? Any Any plans this weekend? No, man. I'm not going to touch this room. I'll get beat up by her. Um, <laughs> probably jump on the bike and go head up to the mountains for a little bit. Nice. All right. Well, listen. Well, I want to. I want. I do want to mention here, uh, real quick, that uh, even better than the Eagles concert, Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, we are flying to San Diego to visit my son's family and uh two of our grandchildren so uh nice amazing that's, that's uh the most fun we're gonna have in a while you'll you won't be far well you'll be far from phil ramos but not that far maybe phil will ride his harley down to san diego you never know but <laughs> uh, of course huge, huge we'll thanks there, phil ramos. Tuesday, phil, so uh yeah. let me know a <laughs> uh, couple of big things. Thanks. or well, not big things, but thanks. Thanks to Scott Duffy. Obviously he'll be back next week. Huge. Thanks to Phil Ramos for being here and Phil. I'm going to connect you Ramos with waters and myself. And uh, let's try to get Phil Ramos over to crime con. We need you there. Be awesome. If you're cool. down for it. All right. All right. So everyone have a great weekend. Uh, we're back Monday, by the way, uh, we're doing prison promiscuity on monday and then tuesday ruby frankie and jody hildebrand are being sentenced so uh if you want to find out about prison promiscuity you better tune in on monday with that love you america love you las vegas love you houston texas the big island in hawaii justice
Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. <laughs> 